It's Mike Traverso with the Friends That Code podcast, where I get a chance to showcase some amazing people I know that just happen to write code for a living. Folks, today I have the pleasure of speaking with, actually reconnecting with someone that I used to work for. Uh, back in 2015, I was working, I was looking for a more exciting opportunity, and I found it with Mama Bear. Co-founded in 2011 by today's guest, Mama Bear was created to keep families connected by letting them message and share location updates with each other. In less than two years, today's guest was able to build a, up a user base of over 250,000 registered users. It's amazing. Building up a successful startup is incredibly hard to do, but with her marketing expertise, she was able to create a brand around Mama Bear, making appearances on news and entertainment platforms, and getting the word out about the app, becoming an authority on parenting in the digital age in the process. Carefully listening to the analytics around the app's user base and making smart and effective advertising campaigns, today's guest was able to grow the user base, grow the team, and ultimately made the, camp made the company a choice target for acquisition in 2016. Today's guest took that same strong entrepreneurial spirit and founded Spot On Digital Media. It's a digital marketing agency building online presence to amplify growth, helping businesses establish their brand with carefully thought out social media plans creating and optimizing their websites, and helping business owners understand where their marketing budget can make the biggest impact with analytics and business intelligence reporting. With all of that hard work, she still finds time to give back to the community. She's a mentor to other female entrepreneurs in the Tampa Bay area. And today's guest shares what she's learned about running successful businesses and making it ever so easier for other women to grow their businesses. Hailing from the Tampa area, Graduating from the University of South Florida and getting her MBA from the University of Tampa, she's not one to shy away from telling you how great Tampa is. It, it really is, folks. Trust me. Trust her. Uh, it, it should come as no surprise then that she's also a big supporter of bringing more tech business to the Tampa Bay area. Founder of Thing to Bring, Mama Bear, Spot on Digital Media, Entrepreneur, Mentor, Digital Media Wizard, and Tampa Bay Champion, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is Robin Spoto. Robin, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Thanks, Mike. Wow, I love that intro, and I wish I could take you everywhere with me to intro <laughs> me to all my community. That was like, fantastic. I appreciate oh, my, it. My pleasure. I'm like a wrestling hype man from the 80s. You know? oh, I love it. <laughs> Gosh, it's been so long. You were and still are iOS developer rock star extraordinaire. Well, I try. I try. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, I develop code. Sure. I love it. And so, I don't, which is why I'm a little intimidated to be on your friends that code podcast, but hopefully I can bring some value. No, no, absolutely. So we're going to get into all of the value that you're going to be able to provide in a second. Um, so, you know, I, and, and it's because, like I said, because I worked for you in the past at mama bear, I helped you guys out at thing to bring for a little bit. And, you know, so I, I want to just kind of cover what mama bear did, right? So I mentioned earlier, it helps connect families uh, with location sharing and custom messaging and even help parents keep track of social media feeds of their children. Uh, and thing to bring is a really fun way to manage who's bringing what to your next party, uh, your next get together or your next tailgate, if we're ever able to have those things again. <laughs> so um, how do you like, where do you, how do you find yourself co-founding these, these two tech startups though? <laughs> Let's go back a bit. 
Yeah, let's go back a bit. Um, they both have their own story, but it's interesting how they sort of collide as well. Sure. Um, so back in 2011, when I was the digital marketing director at Media General, it was the TBO.com, Tampa Tribune, WFLA conglomerate. I met then my executive coach, still my executive coach, Mary Key, who introduced me to some peer forums. Within that forum, I met some extraordinary people like Stuart Kime, Steve McDonald, Tom Carty, who were really the brains behind a technology that they wanted to build for, um, at the time, quick serve restaurants. And it was all location sharing and use of location data. But um, when I got pitched the idea of this technology to come join them as investors, uh, it was marketing gold. It's like, wow, look at where I can see my user base through location monitoring, where they're going, where their loyalties are, what their pattern in life is, so that we could market to them at opportune times. Um, so the foundation of this technology that they were building was, for me, in a marketing role, like just absolute gold. Um, through that process, we did pivot and go to a B2C market and shift the whole company to Mama Bear. Um, but it was all built on the same philosophy and the same technology, which is location data shares um, a wealth of knowledge about consumer behavior. And um, and so when I when I had the opportunity to join them, it was an easy jump corporate ship flex the entrepreneurial spirit and um, that was the start of it I mean they they were building this technology and I came in to help run and build a team and and market it and we were able to successfully do that my first hire as you know at mama bear was Steve Wilson uh, to lead the technology team that you worked on and he was the brains behind being a brain so at the time where I was trying to, uh, you know, get him, recruit him over to Mama Bear, he was like, hey, I built this really cool app. I want you to check it out. I was like, yeah, it's really cool. I love what it does. But can you come help me over here with this Mama Bear stuff and we'll get to thing to bring. <laughs> That's a cool so, story. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Steve and I went to high school together. So I knew him. Oh. We lived in the same neighborhood together at one point. Um, so I knew him a long time and I knew his strength and I knew his skill. So recruiting him to Mama Bear was like, we got to we got to figure this out. Um, but then him building thing to bring uh, and having that was just another great entrepreneurial opportunity that he was working on. Um, and then when we sold Mama Bear, it was like, OK, what, what are we going to what are we going to do? I wanted to build my own agency and he had thing to bring. So he invited me to join them. Um, so, you know, I, I get some credit from you on co-founding and building these, but I will say both of these weren't mine originally and I got to have the label, but at the end, spot on is mine. Those other two companies are theirs that I had the joy and, and experience to contribute to as um, a co-founder as a strong role. That's, I, I like I said, I didn't know any of that. And it's one of the, I think one, one huge lesson to take from that story is network, 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 because, and I say it a million times, like people are looking at job boards now and 
you know, these job postings are just crazy with all of this nonsense where they want a developer to learn to do everything, you know, on the front end, everything on the back end. They want them to do DevOps, you know, send out everything. They want them to do everything. And then they want to pay them a junior developer salary. And the best way to get a job is network. network it's network. network. No. It's network. And it's the same thing I tell my kids that are teenagers now. It's not, it's, you never know who's looking and, and you never know who's paying attention. Yeah. And so the relationships that you build, you never know what they're going to, what they're going to bring in the future. So it may be that like right now, Mike, we knew each other many, many years ago, but now we have an opportunity to reconnect because of your podcast. Yep. And I have, you know, other business aspirations that may mean I need an iOS developer. So it, you never know what a relationship is going to bring in the long term. So be open-minded when you meet people, listen to really who they are and what their skills are and what their experiences, what they're passionate about, because it could come back as a little trigger in the back of your brain that this is the right person for what you're working on. Honestly, with just that, I think we could probably end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't, we won't, we won't. Um, uh, but we could. Uh, but so, so you, you know, you talk about you, you've got three companies that you two you've started and, and, you know, and one is your, your own. If you're going to do a startup today, you know, what are the three mistakes that you're not going to make this time around? And it's not, it has nothing to do with, you know, that you made mistakes or anything. It's just when you go through this and if you've never done it before, you're, you've obviously made some mistake that you're going to try to rectify if you did it again, right? It's just part of the learning process. So to help other people, if you can help share. Yeah. Gosh, so many good lessons and <laughs> some experiences from that. Um, and I'm certain that I'll make some of these mistakes again. Um, but the, the first mistake is, um, and I sort of mentioned it, is they're not my companies. Own your company. Okay. And uh, that's easy to get caught up in, to, to give away your company for investment reasons, because you need the capital, or because you're trying to find the right team and offer them equity. But the way that you take full, complete leadership and ownership is if you truly own the company, um, not just a small percentage because you've given it away to make it become something. Um, so I, I think that's probably one of my biggest um, lessons is that uh, when you treat something like it's yours, but it's not, uh, there's a lot of repercussions that can happen. Uh, and it just, you know, it affects you, but it's personally a huge growth tool, right? Another lesson is that, um, gosh, it takes much longer to get to market <laughs> than, than you really think it's going to take. And um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, like I wanted Mama Bear to be just right, you know, so that we put our best face forward. But in actuality, you need the day one feedback from your audience to make it the best product it can be. So um, get it to market like months before you anticipate you want it to get to market, put it on market right away. That's a great advice. Yeah. Cause that's what you know. Yeah. You got to know um, because you got to know how to make the money, how to make a dollar from it and making your first dollar is going to take a lot longer than you thought it was going to take too. So um, the path to a clear path to revenue and to profitability 
needs to be in the forefront day one, not let's build an audience and then figure out revenue. No, I'm not game for that anymore. There's like unicorn style. I'm going to go build Instagram. No, I need to know how to make money um, and be profitable. And we're going to talk about that unicorn style stuff because mm -hmm. there's so many, there's so much, there's so much of that. And so we, I want to address that a little bit later. Um, and so we kind of touched on this just a bit, you know, about, you know, successful tech startups, putting together the right teams. You know, fortunately I was able to totally slip by. I mean, you guys need an iOS developer and you must've needed it bad because I slipped through the interview process. I mean, and I had a wonderful opportunity working for you and Steve, but a lot of tech founders find themselves like putting together a tech team and not knowing where to begin or how to assemble that team. You know, so as someone, again, with a few successful startups and businesses behind you, what's been your formula for getting the right people in the right roles on your team? So I know we talked about it for Mama Bear and Steve, but you started uh, spot on digital media. So again, getting the right people in the right roles. How do you do that? Like, do you have a form? Is there a formula? Like, can I get, is there a page and a book that I can rip out and just follow? <laughs> I'm still building that formula actually, <laughs> um, because I do think it's a, an evolving process. Um, so it's the who and the how, right? Like right. I, I, who am I going to get, but it's kind of based on, um, how can I get them and what am I going to get them for? And sort of all comes back to the, why am I doing this anyway? So the who, how, who, what, how, and why, uh, sort of intermingle, but, um, vetting talent for me and how I've structured spot on has been the, um, the piece of my success that I think will continue to scale the company. Um, the, the who's have to be way smarter than I am. They have to have other skills that I don't have. Um, and they, and I have to be able to get that out of them in an interview process or some kind of vetting process to know that they're going to help me scale in the future. Um, and so that, that like, uh, what are they going to do and how am I going to be sure that I have them? The formula is imperfect and I continue to make mistakes and, and bringing people on that might not be the perfect fit. Um, but that's when you either decide to coach them through it or help both of you realize that they're not the right fit. Uh, but the vetting process is big. Yeah. And you mentioned, and this is, I, I love this bit where you mentioned like hire people that are smarter than you in different areas. And then I, I, you know, I trust them to make those decisions that, so, because so many times you find someone where it's just the person at the top is the smartest person in the room always, and they know everything. And that's not the best way to run any business because mm -hmm. you're, you're leaving all that knowledge, um, all that biological neural network on the table mm -hmm. and you're like just it. ignoring it. So I like, I like it. It's so true. And, and I, um, I don't want to know. I don't want to know it all. I don't want to do it the way I want to do it. Now I do feel pretty confident in process and like finding the, the right ways to do certain things, but I have to have confidence in my team and yeah. I, and they, if I lose confidence in them, they start losing, um, confidence and, and their ability. And now it's just a, a collision of negativity and we're not serving clients. Great. Um, so if we want to serve clients, great. We have to trust each other 
and be able to come to each other to solve problems and build confidence, that vulnerability of like, I can help you here. You can help me here. I'm going to showcase that little piece of vulnerability to tell you the weakness so that you can fill in that gap for me. I have to scale and I can't scale by doing it. Right. Doing it. Exactly. And so, so true. So true. Someone who wants to work for you, I don't want to give them a cheat sheet, Mm -hmm. but what's one interview question you ask every candidate that tries to work for you? Yeah. You may remember one of our values from Mama Bear, um, and I've taken this value to spot on, it's relentless problem solving. And so the one question, I mean, I ask a good number of questions that support our value set, but my favorite question is, um, tell me about a time you solved a very hard problem. And solving a problem doesn't mean necessarily have to be like, oh, I couldn't figure out why this thing kept breaking. Um, and now I'm going to go figure out how to fix it. It could be, I just didn't know how to communicate with my boss and it was a problem. And, I, and here's how I worked through that. Or I had a coworker that was this, this or that. And now I need to figure out hard problems come in all forms and departments. Um, So it's very telling to me what people, how they answer that, which area of their brain they go to for solving a, you know, hard problem, quote unquote, hard problem. Now I'm remembering, I remember I went technical. I didn't, cause (laughs) just hearing, hearing the, hearing that people could go a different way with it. I just didn't even occur to me until you said it. So mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty cool. And, and it's, you, 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 you show a little bit of vulnerability, um, when you're answering a question like that, um, mm-hmm. you want, you want to make sure you're not too vulnerable and say, you know, I had this really hard problem and I just kind of ignored it. We still haven't figured it out. That's mm-hmm. probably not, don't, don't give that answer. Bad, I probably bad. wouldn't hire you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody would. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Do that one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So being a startup founder, right? It's not easy. Is there any, I mean, I could sit here and ask like, well, what's the, what's the hardest part about being a, star, a startup founder? And, and I mean, but that's, we know what that is. It's the time, the commitment, the hard work, right? You know, all those challenges, but, but I want to ask an, a different question. I want to frame it slightly different. Doing it in a predominantly male environment, right? I imagine that makes everything harder. Um, you know, so as a woman pitching to investors, how do you overcome some of the challenges that perhaps a male tech founder wouldn't be even consider worrying about? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's definitely a challenge that I faced with Mama Bear, right? Probably one of the harder challenges is raising money and ultimately why we had to expand our network to go find other people to help us raise money. Um, and so a challenge like that, where it's gender driven, that's my challenge to overcome. And so I don't necessarily want community to change what, you know, be aware of it, but it's not up to them to overcome my challenge for me. I need to overcome my challenge. And so one of, you know, specifically with raising money as a female founder, one of the things that retrospectively, um, I learned and it came, I think it was from a, um, it may, may have been Columbia University, uh, a study that they put out with uh, women um, founders pitching for investment. 
and the kinds of questions that they get from investors, male or female, uh, and the questions that they ask males, male founders are very different. So they'll ask male founders sort of growth questions. How are you going to grow the company? Like, how are you going to grow the company? Um, what are, where are your forward looking sites towards where they'll ask female founders questions that are more involved around risk management? What are you going to do if this happens? Like, um, so you can see the sort of negative slight versus a positive slight and some of that questioning from investors. And so the greatest advice from that um, study was it's up to the female founder to turn that answer around. And so when you're getting asked a risk kind of question, you talk about growth or you talk about, you know, something that's a little more positive and not answer it so directly that your right. whole pitch is now based on some kind of risk management um, uh, oversight. So I loved that piece of advice. And, um, and, and look, we all have every single startup founder, male or female, is going to face uh, huge challenges. It's so super hard to stay consistent in what you're doing. It's very hard to have discipline. It's very hard to go find the right people. It's very hard to keep your product working and moving it forward. That's sure. across the board for everyone. Um, female founders may have a little more challenge than others. And so when you when you sign up for the gig, you got to be ready for the game and you just got to put your nose down and, and overcome the challenge on your own and not expect other people to fix themselves. You have to do it. I'd love the advice where you can kind of, you take a question and you don't have to answer it as directly as they might like you to. Right? You're not filling out a form if you're sitting with someone. You're, you can spin it and answer it however you'd like, which I think helps show just how, you know, how much better prepared you are to take on you know, that capital or that assistance or of whatever it is that you're, you're pitching for. So that's a, that's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. I loved that piece. Mm -hmm. I wish I had it when I was pitching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it happens, but, but now, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's great advice. Um, and again, it is, it is a different game though, I, I think. And I've never, you know, I've never pitched for any VC or any accelerators, so I don't even know what that's like from a male perspective, but I just, I know how difficult that's got to be. And then I know having worked for, um, for women that it's just the, you know, some of the hardships and not hardships, but more of the challenges that they face. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it, I've, every time I've worked for a woman, there's always been more thoughtfulness put into the planning. It's not been kind of more run and gun. And maybe it's just the guys that I've worked for. And if my boss is listening, sorry, but it's true. I mean, it's, it's so, so anyway. Yeah. I, leadership I like, I, styles, leadership styles come in all oh, sure. sizes and, sure. and, but there is a, you, you see a, a female leadership style tend to be, doesn't mean it's across the board, yeah. but tend to be a little more empathetic. Right. And I, I don't want to paint an entire gender with this because there's probably, you know, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to paint an entire gender as being bad or good managers. So, and the the important thing, most important thing, I think, through this movement that we're seeing uh, society society wide, but um, even in the tech community with female founders, is that you know if, if gender bias lives, 
um, how can we all be aware of it <clears throat> so that when we are faced with it or we can recognize it in ourselves or in others that we can address it and and start to make positive shifts away from it yep 100 percent um so you know speaking of all the all the founding and and whatnot part of that you need to have some help right so where where were the places or resources or groups that you were able to turn to in order to have some of that support that someone in your position was in you should definitely need it and there's so few people that know what someone in that position goes through. Yeah, it's so important to have a support system. Um, my executive coach, Mary Key, is still in my support system. And the peer executive group that she facilitates for us is bar none my decision-making board of directors, <laughs> personal okay. board of directors. And so that has been um, carried through my last seven plus years of my career, regardless of what decision making I was doing professionally and sometimes even personally. So that that's been huge. If you don't have a um, a peer group that aren't just friends, because friends don't necessarily know what you do or how you do it, you got to have a professional peer yeah. group to help balance ideas and balance some things so that you take when you're making big decisions you take out the emotional part and you think strategically and you think business you know with a business savvy hat on that coaching environment has been huge for me of course you mentioned tampa bay wave um, as a accelerator for startups and helping they helped us through mama bear you remember working out of their space uh, being able to participate in that organization beyond Mama Bear is has been really delightful for me, not only because the founders and the companies inside the organization are so brilliant, they keep me on my toes, they keep me learning. Um, so I love to mentor them on the things that I can contribute to, but I also learn so much from them too. So it's a, it's a, it's a win-win. Um, family, huge. Like, got to have the support system of my husband and my family because of you know if I was doing this in a bubble without being able to share, entrepreneurship is such an emotional roller coaster. So being able to share that with your family is the ultimate support system. Um, and then finding mentors, you know, whether that be through some like Tampa Bay Wave or Embark or some of the other great organizations that we have here in Tampa or in any tech community around the around the country um, a very specific mentor that you feel like you connect with like mm -hmm. it's just not any mentor right, right. Like you gotta you gotta they gotta know your your personality they gotta know when to push you but not push you too hard to make you run <laughs> yeah well that's, that, that was going to ask that i mean how how do you find like what is the best way to find a mentor um how do you select one hmm. um do you date them right like you date them <laughs> okay. like you would like ask sure. questions ask you know, go, go have coffee go have a beer go um do that courting kind of thing uh, you, some people are intrigued to find a mentor that is sort of a uh, sort of self-motivated, like like 
I want to go find a mentor that's running the company that I eventually want to sell my company to. And that's all fine and dandy, but um, mentorship is meant to help you personally and professionally grow through the growth of your company, regardless of the business environment. So um, just like vetting employees, you want to vet a mentor that you feel like is going to connect with you personally, but also be able to fill in gaps on things that you just don't feel like are your strengths. That's a cool way to put that. I didn't, th- I, again, the reason I'm asking is I don't know. And that's a really cool, that's a really cool answer. I like that. Datum. Cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, but you're also a mentor. So, but, so I want to ask, what are some of the best habits for a model mentee? So that you're, you've mentored a bunch of women or a bunch of uh, just startup founders. What are some of the best habits that they have? Consistency. Um, okay. They come to me and say, "Hey, can we schedule a monthly a monthly call?" As opposed to me um, reaching out to them all of the time. Um, right. Get on my get on my schedule. Um, they come with challenges. They come with to that conversation. They come with what they want to talk about, and it yep. feels a little uncomfortable. It feels a little vulnerable, but. Um, having a fluff conversation about, you know, oh, here are my numbers and my data and my analytics right now. Oh, great, great job, great job. That's not doing anybody any good. Um, yeah, we need to look at all of that, but tell me like what's keeping you up at night so that we can try and work through that the best you can. So come prepared. Come prepared and take that initiative to reach out. Don't be shy. That's, yeah. It's great advice. Yeah, I have a um, I have a company that I've been mentoring for a while, and such a rock star. Um, they've grown their e-commerce business um, huge in the last two years. They're now over their million ARR mark, and nice. it's so exciting to see them do that. But it was with a lot of angst, and you know, like she would bring her pissed off point of view, and that those are the things that I think help more than, you know, um, tell me how I can market on Facebook. Yeah. And speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, you know, every startup needs to get out there and spread the word. What advice would you give someone who's trying to get their startup or business out there to u- using social media? And I just, just the one, one kind of headline thing, cause I don't want to get too into it. You have a business that does this. Okay. So just, little taste the the distribution channel the tactic is way less important uh in certain stages of building a company than knowing your audience and so you you know even before you start building something it's like who am i trying to serve and what problem am i trying to solve i'm going to start building this but how do I know this audience really, really well? And how do I know this audience in segments? So, um, you know, I may be trying to speak to CTOs of companies, but I also have to speak to CMOs and I also have to speak to CEOs because the the executive suite is making the decision. I'm not going to say the same thing to a CTO that I'm going to say to a CMO. So I need to be very aware of these personas within my audience to know their pain points and know their communities that they're in. Because if I try to market on Facebook to all three of those, I'm gonna fail. Right. Um, I have to market to you different know, somebody 
different messages to different audiences on different platforms. Yes, everybody may be on Facebook today or they may be somewhere generally, but when they're in their work professional mindset, they might be on Reddit or they might be somewhere else. And that's when I need to be talking to them. Not when they're in their laid back, sit back, I'm going to thumb through Instagram behavior because they might see you and might be brand awareness, but it might not be engaging enough for them to act because they're mentally not in that state. Cool. So marketing to the right audiences in the right spaces. Um, I see social and Google and, you know, programmatic as distribution channels. But you got to start up here uh, and really understand somebody before you start trying to distribute and get in front of them. And that, folks, is why you go to spotondigitalmedia.com so that you can talk to Robin and her team of experts and find out how you can grow your business. There's obviously much more they can do for you. Uh, and when I say much more they could do for you, I mean, obviously that's not doing justice to what you do. I can talk about, I can give an introduction to it, but would you like to kind of, you know, explain how a business can benefit from the services that you and your team offer? No, oh, I appreciate that. I, gosh, your intro was so great. I think you did a great job um, sharing that. But really, it is uh, building a, a marketing strategy for um, business growth. It amplifies your growth and, and utilizing digital tactics and so making sure your website is ready for traffic, being able to drive traffic to your site through many different digital channels, and then analyzing the data to learn from it. Marketing is an incremental game. So you got to be able to learn and adjust and try something new, A-B test continuously. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we help companies grow by following a pretty tight process in that learning marketing experience. But the two things that that I feel like differentiate us from other digital agencies is the team of people. You heard some of the questions that I asked them when I met them, but the team of people that we have um, is the combination of what we call data-driven. We're, we're using analytics and data all the time to make good decisions, but delightfully creative because there's a human on the other end of what you're right. trying to say and you got to be able to connect with them. So being able to mesh that data-driven mentality with being creative enough to connect with somebody on a digital platform is hard and we do it well. Excellent. Excellent. We talked before about unicorns and, you know, defining success for some clients is, can be a challenge, right? And, and some of them come in with grandiose expectations of being the next Facebook, I would imagine. How is it that you can define success for some of those clients? You can try to build the next Facebook for, you know, make them the next Facebook. But that's really not realistic, I think, I think, because you have to, like you mentioned, you, there's incremental approaches to marketing, then there's incremental approaches to your business and milestones that you'll reach and, and move on from there. Like, for example, Facebook wasn't Facebook immediately. That, that took years. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So unicorns are like fairy tales to me and um, fairy tales are written in books and yeah. not something that I, you know, showcase to my kids or to anyone like right. fairy tales are fairy tales. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they occasionally happen, uh, but for majority of the world, we are 
busting ass to get to the next um, loyal consumer, the next loyal customer, and making money and being profitable. And that's where we have to really identify what success means. It's not becoming the unicorn. Identify what your success is based on a little bit of realism that can also be motivating to push you to get to the next level. So defining that is pretty interesting to me. I, I, I'm never interested in building a company that is building users think about uh, money later um, and using other people's money to get there. Um, I, I just, I want to build a company and I want to help companies that are working towards this mission. We vet customers the same way we do employees. If we're not a good fit for our clients, we're not going to do the work. Um, and if you're not a good fit for our philosophy and our marketing approach, then we're not going to do the work. But, um, I want to help companies that are building towards success in a way that it's a profitable business where the owners of the company can own the company without giving it away to investors and using investor money. It's very necessary. It's all about timing. And sometimes when you're going after a consumer market, you need big dollars to go do that. And so you need investors. Um, but make it, you know, the end game of success for me is uh, building a profitable company. Cool. And a lot of that, what Robin just said, folks, I mean, you can use that too with vetting your own next job. You know, is it a right fit both ways? Everything it, that's the, I think the best way you can kind of help ensure that a business venture will be successful is do the people fit together, right? You know, is there a right fit? Cause if there isn't so much of a right fit, you're, you're not going to end up having that, you know, that success that you might have otherwise. So, but, um, yeah, unicorns, unicorns, and fairy tales. Yep. Um, Speaking of Facebook, is there a way to successfully reach an audience and not be on their platform today? Depends on who your tribe is. Depends on who oh, you're trying okay. to go after. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, absolutely. There's a way. Um, depends on the business. I might be an audience that um, doesn't have the technology. And so I need to market to them still. You know, it, right. it's, it's not about the where. It's about the who. And then the where, right? But Facebook, everybody's pretty much on. So I will right. say, when we do comparison campaigns, we always A/B test everything. So a lot of my B two B clients will say, um, "We need a Facebook campaign," and I'll say, "Okay, um, sure, let's A/B test that against LinkedIn or against um, Instagram or against Twitter." And if we can do a comparison, then we're going to know if your audience really is on Facebook or more engaged on these other platforms, spend the same money, do the same messaging, um, target the same way as much as we can, and then see. Uh, Facebook always, um, uh, never say always, but Facebook wins a lot because they do have the audience in reach and they do have it at a rate that's less than some of the other platforms. Okay. And so we find a lot of success on Facebook, a lot of success on Facebook. Um, okay. So but we always test. N not, necess not necessarily, but probably. Not necessarily, but probably. Okay. But I will caution, it's the, um, oh, we need a Facebook campaign. Um, strategy first, then the Facebook campaign. Right, okay, cool. So, you know, 
we're talking about the, the tech startups and, and I mean, you've got so much stuff going on, right? Because I mean, it's not just, it's not just the, it's not just the two tech startups. It's not just the, you know, spot on digital media. It's not just the mentoring, you know, I, I, I'm checking around and you're, you're, um, back when we were allowed to go out, uh, you know, you were running panel discussions. That's, that's obviously takes a, a lot of just drive. So where does that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Where does that drive come from? Um, it's, you know, I think it's innate uh, and comes from whatever happens chemically and okay. physically in somebody. But I, I also think it's just, I, um, I, I can't relax. I can't sit still. Um, and I wish I was a little more Zen where I could be like, oh, I need to just take a minute. But um, I, I feel like my hobby is starting companies and, you know, really thinking about something I can do over here. And, um, and so, yeah, does that mean some of that is monetarily motivated? Sure, probably should be. But I think I'm like that with everything. My husband will say often, like, why can't you just sit down and watch TV? Why do you have to go up those ditches right now? Why do you have to go vacuum the floor right now? Like, sit down and watch TV with me. Why are you in the office working? So it's it's definitely a balance, but it's um, I see it in my kids too. I see the drive and I appreciate it. And the, it's the balance of uh, the drive and the need to do it all correctly is where the challenges will come in. So that's a good thing then that you're seeing it in your kids. And how, oh, I mean, yeah. So that's really got to bug your husband then, right? Because now <laughs> you've got three people that aren't interested in watching TV with him. Don't watch TV with him. Let's know. Okay. <laughs> Sports okay. is on my TV endlessly. Excellent. Excellent. Getting back to entrepreneurial spirit. You hear no a lot, a lot, yeah. right? A lot more than you hear yes. Um, how do you cope with that? Because that's got to be like just emotionally draining, right? Yeah. It's the whole no, yes thing is interesting. And I've heard no often. Again, back to like drive. If you're going to, if you're labeling yourself to go run a company and choose entrepreneurship, I think you have to just be prepared for, for that. And the drive to keep going, the persistence to keep going is based on your belief that what you're providing is going to be so helpful and it's going to be changing. And, and so that in itself should be drive enough to get through the nose. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that as a young entrepreneur and probably 10 years ago, maybe even more, I, I personally said yes a lot. And I think that's why I um, got exposure to new opportunities was because somebody would say something and I would say, yeah, I can, I'm going to try that. I'll do that. Sure. Even if I felt like I wasn't ready or capable just yet, I still said yes. And so then I found myself saying yes too much. And now I feel like I find more success saying no okay. uh, because yeah. I'm feeling more focused. And uh, I know now what I want to work on to help progress me personally and professionally. So I say no a lot more now than I used to say yes. So I get it when people say no. And I have a little more empathy now when people say no. It's because it's not the right fit. Yeah. And it, it's nothing personal. Right. Nothing personal. Um, you know, folks, please do not be afraid to say no. Um, mm -hmm. 
And, and, and on the other side of that though, you know, when you hear no a lot, you know, sometimes you can get that feeling of like, wait, am I doing this right? Cause I'm, I might, I'm, if I'm getting no this much, I must not be doing it right. And it, a lot of times it, it's persistence. And so don't let all of the no's turn into letting you feel that you can't, you don't belong. You know, don't let that imposter syndrome sink in, you know, keep, keep forging forward. And, um, you know, if, if you're doing it for a year or two or three, you know, maybe that's when you might want to call it, but, but still, you know, fight through that initial phase. Don't let, you know, the first month be like, Oh wait, I've gotten five no's in the first month. I guess I shouldn't do this. Like that way too early, way too early in the process. So you got to figure out way yeah. too early. And no, no with a why not um, is even better because then you can learn why the no and getting that mm -hmm. feedback is important um, so that you are open-minded enough to make adjustments yep. if the feedback from your perspective is valid enough. So hearing the no with an open mind to learn from the why not um, is important. <clears throat> I think it was um, Sarah Blakeway, uh, self-made billionaire who um, got more no's than she could have uh, ever expected and look at where she is now. So what she thought was like, I'm gonna cut up some hosiery and try and go sell it to the Nordstrom's buyer actually worked out, but it was because she got through a ton of no's first. Yeah, and we'll put that spanks.com link in the show notes so you can Thanks. check that out. <laughs> um, Okay. So on that same thread of being positive and trying to work through things, I mean, you've worked a with a bunch of developers and, you know, I think it's important for developers to believe in themselves and to take it, you know, that belief and use it to promote themselves. Um, being that you're a marketing guru, right? What can developers do uh, or, or, or say to themselves so that they can better promote their careers in their workplace or, or communities even just, just to kind of give them some ideas for, promoting themselves because that's, you find a lot people, a lot of people in the development world don't promote themselves enough. And that's a big problem, I think. Yeah. It's kind of a mindset and it's, you know, self-promotion or, and it's not even that it's, we talked about networking at the top of this developers from my experience of working with different developers are brilliant and artistic and um, thoughtful, like they're going to find every rabbit hole and corner case and make sure it's software. They're huge problem solvers. There's so many great things characteristically about developers. The one thing that I, I have observed in my personal experiences is the balance of um, a growth engine inherently into what they're building. Um, and so if they're starting to think that way with the product or whatever it is they're working on, they can think that way with themselves too, is like promotion growth. How am I gonna get this in front of more people? Mm -hmm. um, how am I gonna get me in front of more people? Um, so networking, relationships, listening in a way that you can take that um, feedback and do something with it. So unfortunately, like uh, in marketer circles or CEO circles, there might be this sometimes unfortunate rap on developers that they're not good communicators or they're, you know, they're 
And that's so not true. They're the most precise communicators that I know. <laughs> like, and actually through my mama bear days, the communication style of developers is so appreciated because there is no gray. The communication is black or white. And, and we are very clear on what we're talking about. But until you're able to like get that out of them, um, some people may see that as like uh, a communication style that isn't as effective. But I, I think flexing that communication style and thinking in a um, growth hacking mindset is probably good. That's excellent advice. Excellent advice. And also, do you know of the site TopTal? I do not. TopTal.com. Um, I've been very intrigued about lately, and I think it could be something for your um, our community to look at a little bit more. I have a good friend who is um, a UI UX guy, and TopTal vets talent uh, and development talent and claims to have the top 3% of specialty skills. And if you can get through that, I mean, use platforms to market for you. Uh, They're like the marketing engine of what is considered from their claimed statement of the top 3% of a specific kind of talent. Okay, cool. I, I, I thought, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, like growth hacking, growth hack your own career. You know, I mean, find... Find the few things, I mean, find the, not the few things, find the things that you believe you're good at uh, and, and, and market those to your community. I mean, that's using growth hacking. I mean, that's, that's a great way to kind of, to do it. So that's a really good uh, bit of advice there. Yeah. Okay, Robin, I want to get, I know we're running a little late, but I want to wrap up with some retrospective questions, if that's okay. Yes, let's do it. Okay, cool. Before we get into that, though, why choose the Tampa Bay St. Pete area for starting a tech startup today? Tampa is the biggest, smallest city I've ever been in. And I've lived here my whole life. I've traveled a bunch of other places, though, and seen a lot of other communities. We're the 13th, maybe 12th largest DMA in the country. Yet we feel like the way that our community is connected, it feels like we're in some town somewhere because we know each other, like we all know each other. Um, And I think it's that connection of network across the state of Florida that is so incredibly valuable. And the resources that are at your fingertips are big and you just got to take advantage of it. The, the, helpfulness that I have seen in our community to help each other out from big companies helping startups and startups helping other startups. Um, just valuable. Uh, don't take it for granted and, and be a part of it because you can you can connect with some pretty amazing people. Not to mention we are in Florida, which means we have the best of both worlds. We have Orlando an hour away from us, which people spend their life savings to come visit. And we have the beaches um, in the beautiful Gulf just an hour the other direction. Um, So environmentally, like happy people because we have sunshine. Yes. And not just sunshine, but palm trees and Mm -hmm. no taxes. Love it. So if you're thinking about starting a tech startup, I mean... Tampa Bay has got to be at the top of that list. It's got to be. Between the resources, the no taxes, um, the palm trees. So just give it some thought, folks. All right. Stay. Stay here. Don't leave us. 
Yeah, I mean, because again, you'll still have to pay no state taxes if you're here. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really understand why you have a startup that comes from Tampa. I think it's just the sexiness of saying I work in Silicon Valley. Anyway, mm-hmm. we get a little serious now. What were some of the challenges you struggled with uh, as you were coming up, and and that you wish you didn't have to or had more help with overcoming? Yeah, so we talked about a few of those things with like raising money um, and. You know, I, I think it's my, ch- you know, your own challenge to overcome. Some of the things that we talked about as a challenge through every company I've been a part of is um, when you're in a growth mode or starting something and you're in that vulnerable space of throwing out ideas or way to solve things and it doesn't fly, it just doesn't work, you can't take it personally. And I feel like that's probably one of my biggest lessons and, and something that continually to overcome is that solve a problem, listen, and don't take it personally when it doesn't work. Like failure is not uh, necessarily something that you have to take and linger, like learn, go. That is hard. That, that to me, I think was a huge challenge and is, and, um, uh, I've looked back at some of the things that I've been a part of, and I'm like, gosh, what a dummy. Like some of the things I remember doing, I'm like, gosh, why did I? I Here's a uh, situation. I um, For Mama Bear, I went to Golden Seeds, which is an um, investment company that helps women-founded companies, okay. and flew to New York, sat in the office with one of the partners, just talking to them about Mama Bear. And she asks, how much of the company do you own? And when I shared, she was like, we can't help you. You got to own 30% more of the company. I'm like, dumbass. Why didn't you know this before you came and sat in the seat of this partner at Golden Seeds? And so, you know, I think there's just so much retrospective knowledge that happens. Um, yeah. But you take it forward. Like, take that right. to the next thing. So. I fully believe you can't succeed unless you've failed a few times. Absolutely. With all your career experiences, what advice would you give your younger self? My younger self, again, was the like, yes, let's do this kind of person. And I did it with probably a, uh, more confidence than I like some, the, the line of confidence and ego. <laughs> okay. and, and so I think what I would tell my younger self is like, put the ego aside, like, like label ego, know what it is, like identify it, know it, put it aside and figure out how you can on a different level, be open-minded so that you can learn from everyone and everything around you, like take it all in and learn from it. But it's really hard to do when you're young and there's a lot of ego driven uh, motivation happening. So um, that's, that's yeah. great advice. I mean, that, that works for everything, for everything that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in the end, you'll make more money if you put your ego aside, which can, might seem contradictive, but yeah. It's true. I, I, yeah, looking back at that makes that, that, that checks, that checks. Um, all right. So I, I want to, we'll wrap up one more question. I usually ask folks with a development background, again, to promote themselves. Again, we going back to this, it's the whole self-promotion thing. And I want them to think about this and really kind of get in a sense of, you know, 
finding things that they can promote themselves and then saying it out loud, because I think that's empowering, right? You are a marketing guru. You market a whole bunch of different businesses and tech startup. I mean, so you've, you've done all of that, but what about yourself, right? What, what are you most proud of, love the most about yourself or something that you, 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 you use with your, about yourself that you use to inspire confidence in you? Mm-hmm. I feel satisfied mostly when I am able to build teams okay. and help teams serve our clients better without me involved. Oh, and cool. I love being able to see our teams thrive and renew. Like we have, I have two team members that have been serving a client of ours for the past three years, month after month after month, and I'm not involved in it. And they, and I get the joy out of coaching them and helping them when they want and need it. And that to me is so satisfying that I'm giving them, like I'm participating in this opportunity with them to do that. Um, And so if I, that's where, where I'm satisfied. I can scale a company like Spot On with that philosophy over and over and over again. And it is so gratifying and satisfying that um, they, they as marketing freelancers have an opportunity to do that. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that the best thing about themselves is when they're not involved before. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's really cool. I, I, that, that really does mean... Uh, it just means you're doing your job right and well. So, um, Robin, I hope you had some fun hanging out today. This was fun. It was so great to reconnect, Mike. And it yeah. looks like you're doing amazing. And I'm glad to well, see you happy and healthy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For folks out there that are interested in hearing more from Robin, you can follow her on Twitter at, at Spot On Digital. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, you can also find more information on how Spot On Digital Media can help your business over at spotondigitalmedia.com. And finally, if you were ever able to tailgate or have a party or do something together again, uh, be sure to check out thingtobring.com and we'll put all of those links again in the show notes. Thanks again, Robin. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on a bunch of your favorite podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Anchor, and more. So subscribe on your favorite platform to the Friends That Code podcast. And tell your friends because next week we'll be back again and we'll have another amazing person that I know that just happens to write code for a living. Until then, be well, everyone. Cody is not like the movies, listen.